freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to another episode of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. This is our episode number 75, and we are actually live in the studio right now. We've recorded so many shows in a row. I almost don't know how to act when it's Saturday and we're actually here in front of the microphones. That is why I'm messed up today. (laughs) Is that what it is? I guess. I mean, last week we're at what? The SHOT Show? The week before that we were... uh, No, last week week was the big auction. auction. Week before that was SHOT Show. Well, I am... I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. We have a great show today. The theme is The Matter of Facts. Our first hour, we have Stephen Gutowski. He is a writer at the Washington Free Beacon and was recently awarded the Journalist of the Year Award at the GRPC. And he's here to talk to us about a couple of his latest articles. We also have Tom Rathner. He has 20 years' experience as a lobbyist for the Second Amendment issues. He is a president of the NFA Freedom Alliance and the current director of legislative affairs for Knife Rights. Who figures? Knife Rights? I know. Wow. Right? He is an avid hunter, shooter, and NFA owner. He is running for a re-election in the NRA Board of Directors where he has proudly served for the past 17 years. Seems re-electable, right? 17 years? I would think so. Holy cow. We also, on our second hour, we have Judd Bickle. I, that name sounds familiar to me, Cheryl. <laughs> oh, he's a team leader at azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona, and he has just recently trekked the annual SHOT Show, the biggest buying opportunity of the year. Basically and, shopping. Yeah. Basically. And, <laughs> yeah, and we wanted to have him on to talk to about us what new awesomeness is coming to azfirearms.com. Um, I think some of the stuff's already coming in, and there's some cool stuff I don't know if I want to keep it or put it on the shelf. (laughs) Uh, We have plenty for everybody. Uh, We also have John R. Lott, a well-respected expert on gun issues and the author of a number of books, including More Guns, Less Crime, and his latest, The War on Guns, Arming Yourself Against Gun Control Lies. You'd need a lot of ammunition for that. (laughs) Oh, I see what you did there. But I'm John's waitress (laughs) gives those of us who are protecting our second (laughs) rights a solid foundation of solid research. Mm-hmm. We also have a responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary. Um, Wait, have we had, we didn't do your commentary last week, did yes, we? Yes, we did. Did we? Oh, yes, did we, we did. Did we sneak one in? Because there was been a couple weeks where we were like, you know, Cheryl just talks too long with the, <laughs> you know, I think what it is, Cheryl, <laughs> with the responsibly just, armed citizen report. It was too calm. Was it too calm? Too calm. No just way. Real- Are you kidding me? The last couple of weeks in this country has been complete madness. Like everybody's lost their mind, which really kind of brings us back to the theme. So I'll, I'll explain the theme, the matter of facts. For many of us, facts matter. 
facts are the solid soil beneath our feet, the foundation of the decisions we make and the compass guiding how we respond and react to the world around us. We seek a true north, not relative egocentric directionals like left or right. I mean, who's left? Yours or mine? And wait, who's right? No, the the other right. I mean, have you ever had one of those kinds of conversations? Danny and I do it all the time. It's called being married. (laughs) Now, it almost seems silly to say these things out loud. It sounds like the comical Hotels.com commercials narrated, narrated by Captain Obvious. But after the past two weeks and all of the explosive, emotion-driven, riot-infused behavior that we're witnessing, it is clear that not everyone needs a framework of facts to guide their thinking or their behavior. What we are witnessing is that some people need only their own opinion based on the opinion of someone else, like, let's say, a politician or a media activist, and a feeling that they are justified in behaving any way those emotions guide them. In all fairness, finding a good quality compass, one that you know with certainty will always point you in the direction of fact and truth, is harder now than it has ever been before. So how do we know who we can trust? Well, that is the question, isn't it? For me... I look to the character of the messenger. I look for people who are not serving an ideology and who can point out flaws in their own thinking. I seek out people who are not serving their own ego and can take criticism in stride and who understand the complexities of life rather than relying on lazy labels such as those worn-out isms, you know, sexism, racism, We've heard them far too often to explain complex behaviors, complex thought processes. So I look for people that don't rely on those in order to get their points across. And I believe that our guests today and each of our shows all exhibit the qualities found in a good and reliable compass. Dan? So wait, you're telling me I shouldn't listen to Ashley Judd and Madonna? (laughs) I mean, aren't these guys experts? They, they have to be experts to be as popular as they are. You know, I, I'm tempted to even give Ashley Judd a pass because supposedly she was, uh, she was acting, right? She was reciting somebody else's work. And that is what, that's what these celebrities are paid to do, right? They put job. other people's words in their mouth and, and you know, how, you know, anyway, so they weren't, her words supposedly now Madonna those were her words as far as I know and if she is not being held to the exact standard that any Joe Schmo or Jane Schmo would be held to if she's not being investigated in exactly the same ways this is part of the problem that we've been experiencing um, in America where it's like oh well they you know the the government they didn't mean to pollute that river you know, so they're they're off the hook. But well, if it had been a Joe Schmo or a Jane Schmo that polluted the river, well, the EPA is going to, you know, eat their lunch and the lunch of their uh, ancestors, or I mean their um, 
you know, their family's lineage for for years and years and generations and generations to come. Here's the problem with that, Cheryl. You know, I understand that if somebody's just talking, you kind of have to have a background with it. You have to say, well, he has the means to do this, so therefore we have to take that serious. Madonna doesn't have the means to do that herself, so we don't need to take Why? her Why we don't she? need to take her serious because she doesn't have the means. She doesn't really mean it, but here's what she did. I know she has more than three fans out there. Mm-hmm. She probably has a million or more. Well, I don't want to give her any credit. She's got fans. <laughs> and one of those fans might have a means to do it. Mm-hmm. And so many times we see that uh, they put these uh, artists on pedestals. Mm-hmm. And so their servants mm-hmm. would act out for her. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And that's why it's just as serious if Madonna does it or if I do it. Could you imagine if that would have been me? Holy cow. Well, you yes, know what? Sir. We'd be live at the county jail. <laughs> Federal Federal, jail. yeah. Yes. So um, it is important that, you know, people just, you know, if you're going to follow somebody and you agree with them, do some research yourself. Just don't think, well, this person's important, so they're right. The stuff that we say on the air, don't check take, it out. Don't take our word for no, it. Back Always it up. do your own right? research before you make your vote, before you make a, a decision about anything. Absolutely. And and that is the key point, I think, Dan, is just because, you know, somebody is an excellent singer or an, an excellent actor or actress does not mean that they have any knowledge whatsoever about whatever political thing they're talking about, whether guns are good or bad, um, whether the the bill that somebody has proposed is good or bad. So, you know, you really have to kind of take those things with a grain of, of salt or as a jumping off point. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to find out for myself. Right. That's an interesting thought, Madonna. That's an interesting thought, Ashley Judd. Let me now about go. McConaughey, hey, hey. McConaughey, hey, hey, what he, he did. He said some good stuff. He did. He said, yeah, he basically said that we need to see what Trump does. He's our president. We need to respect him and see what he does. The fact that somebody has to say that out loud. I know it. I just, come on, people. Let's let's take a deep breath. Let's. We got a long four years, eight years maybe, <laughs> ahead of us. So the, let's just take a breath. The good thing about the guests that we have today. Mm-hmm. They have a background in what they're talking about. That's the thing. We try to choose uh, experts in their field and have them talk about what they they spend their life studying and knowing. Okay, really quick, I want to get to this one news article before we have to run to commercial. It was written by one of our guests today, Stephen Gutowski, in the Washington Free Beacon. And it is announcing that the Army has adopted the Sig Sauer sidearm. I mean, that's pretty big news, right? Yes, it's great. And, they, you know, they make good products. So that's, that's awesome. So apparently uh, it will replace the standard issue Beretta M9 that the Army currently employs. And so they haven't yet announced what caliber, but they, uh, they are talking about, let's see, it says that in the civilian market, it comes in both a full size and a compact variant. Um, and so we'll see what the army ends up choosing. What, what do you, do you think they're going to have both or they think they're going to have the one? The Beretta is a nine millimeter. So they'll probably stay with the nine millimeter. You get more rounds with it. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with that, whether it be a 45 or nine, but they'll probably stay with the nine because it's just, um, you can carry more rounds. Okay. Fair enough. You know what? Maybe the army will get to use them if they have to use them instead of just show now. (laughs) 
<laughs> what is that? Oh, well, because we have a, a rights of engagement or whatever the tools of engagement. But you know, at least you know. I, I hope that if we ever do have to go back into battle, that we're at least letting our soldiers protect themselves. Yeah. And do something. Yeah. Versus sure. just uh, standing there and getting shot at. Yeah, that's that's been tough to watch. All right, we've got to run to commercial. And when we come back, we have the Stephen Godowski. He's a writer for the Washington Free Beacon. Going to talk to us about a couple of articles he's written recently, in addition to the Sig uh, Sauer Army adoption article. I guess we should go to commercial now. Go. Let's go. <laughs> Blade, send us away. All right, stick around. Can you survive the legal aftermath of self-defense? Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network can give you peace of mind knowing that you have the financial and legal assistance to face this new threat to your liberty, your property, and your good name. Become a member today for just $135 a year. Join Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network today. ArmedCitizensNetwork.com Use the tracking code 15625 or Paul Lathrop. ArmedCitizensNetwork.com Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment. Staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are excited to introduce our next guest. He's actually been on a couple of times, Mr. Stephen Gutowski. He's a writer at the Washington Free Beacon. Stephen was awarded the 2017, or was it the 2016 Journalist of the Year Award at the Gun Rights Policy Conference, and he's here to talk with us today about a couple of his latest articles on reciprocity and the new collaboration aimed at preventing suicides. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Was it the 2017 or 16 Journalist of the Year? That was last year, uh, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, it was the 2016. Hopefully I'll win 2017, too. Yeah, see, I predicted it. That's what I've done here. She so. just nominated you already. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. Well, you, I definitely think you, you deserve it. So, you know, I thought let's tackle the uncomfortable topic first, right? Like nobody wants to talk about the topic of suicide, which sure. is why I think it gets to kind of live in the shadows and 
and take precious lives from us. But the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention decided to shine a light on the topic and work together to do something about it. Talk to us about um, that and your article on, on that topic. Yeah, well, essentially the uh, the NSSF, which is you know the the industry group, basically they, they represent a lot of the manufacturers and and gun dealers uh, in the United States. Um, they've decided to uh, take a proactive approach to uh, lowering the suicide rate in the United States uh, because uh, the reality is that um, firearms are often used uh, in suicides uh, and. In fact, among uh, firearm deaths, most of them, about two-thirds, are, are from suicide. So, it, you know, it's, as far as uh, an issue that that you could really have a lot of success in addressing as the firearms industry, this, you know, suicides is certainly at the top of that. And so they've, they've decided to um, partner t- with the uh, Suicide Prevention Association, which is uh, going to offer training to dealers and uh, gun ranges and just gun owners generally as well uh, in an effort to, to try and cut down on that. Stephen, hi, this is Dan. That's really great news. I mean, normally uh, associations would say, we need to get rid of the guns. That's the only way to solve the problem. But they're actually working with gun dealers to help identify and work with these, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, a lot of times, what you'll see is sort of a political uh, radicalization among some of these medical organizations. Even the uh, American Medical Association has become very uh, uh, political in, in its stance on gun ownership. Um, they're, they're very anti-gun, um, but uh, not you know. So it is nice to see a group that's whose mission is specifically suicide prevention, be open to working with the gun industry. And I think it's something that uh, will be much more effective than if they just went out and said, no one should own any guns, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, seeing these two groups work together, it, it gives a lot of hope for that something can really be accomplished, right? Absolutely. Now, uh, you and I both had the opportunity to be at the uh, the press conference at the the SHOT Show when they first kind of rolled this out and announced it. And um, it looked to me like, well, first of all, you know, my background's in psychology, so I am just applauding this effort and very excited about it. But it looked like to me that this was kind of a, you know, if you see something, say something kind of a program. Is that, does that sort of describe what you felt like they were, they were rolling out? Yeah, I think so. Uh, And also, uh, you know, with that, there was uh, there's a lot of training involved with with uh, sort of what the signs to watch for are if someone is in a state of crisis someone might be considering suicide you know the the program that they have is going to teach like range operators gun store owners and just gun owners generally um the signs to look for as well so they can know if someone's in need of help absolutely because you know some of us are like well if i see something what am what what am i seeing you know, because generally right. people are hiding that pretty well. And so they're like, so if I'm going to say something, what do I say? Who do I say it to? And people get nervous about overreacting and, you know, all of right. these kinds of things. So I think that having a program with the information pamphlets out there is just awesome. 
Yeah. And if you look at, uh, you know, the NSSF has had successful programs in the similar vein before, uh, you know, specifically with gun locks. You know, now when you go and buy a gun, you get a gun lock with it. And that's part of a uh, NSSF program. It wasn't always the case. Uh, and so you've seen a lot of success in terms of uh, giving people the ability to properly store their guns. And so I think this this program is going to be in the same vein. It's the voluntary thing, It's but it's something that can have a lot of success. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. I think that a lot of people, just making them aware that this stuff happens. I mean, we all hear it on the news, but to bring it to us closer so that help us recognize that there are people out there that are having problems, just making us aware of that could help a lot. Right. Well, and the other thing, and this is not the main focus of what the NSSF rolled out or um, anything, but just what kind of occurred to me is when you have this push out there for the universal background check, so if that were to go through, one of the things that, that, uh, that falls under that is that you can't even borrow your friend's firearm like out on the firing range or anything to, or to go hunting with, with without breaking a federal law because everybody, when it goes from my hands to my friend's hands, we've got to do the federal background check. So suppose you, it, this is passed, the universal background check. You've got a friend who's in, in you know, a state of, um, you know, it, it could be a danger to him or herself. And maybe they ask you, hey, would you just take my guns for a couple of days? Yeah, I'm just not feeling safe around myself. Or you just, you ask them, you would be breaking this federal law by trying to help them. And those that time spent going through the universal background check could be just the amount of time that that they don't have to regroup themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's an absolute concern. So something to think about. All right. Another article that you wrote, uh, and you've got so many. I'm on your your site right this minute, actually scrolling down. I'm like, oh, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. (laughs) Um, So tell people what your site is real quick so they might be scrolling too, and then we'll get to the next one. Right. Well, so I write for the the Washington Free Beacon, um, and people can find my work uh, along with a lot of other great reporting as well, um, at freebeacon.com. All right. So, and uh, the the next one that we said we're going to talk about is the National Reciprocity Bill. So what, you know, to some people that sounds like we're talking inside baseball. Like, what the heck does that even mean? So can you kind of quickly, you know, clear that up for us? What What are we talking about when we say that? Right. Well, so the way it works now uh it's it's completely up to states, to each individual state, whose permits they're going to recognize in addition to their own permits, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in Virginia, now, uh, just recently, we the legislature decided um, we're going to recognize every other state's permits, right? So anyone who has a permit from any state can carry in Virginia legally. But you go somewhere just across the river, D.C., uh, they don't recognize anyone's permits anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how it is across, uh, you know, those are the two extremes. And then most states fall somewhere in the middle. They're, they recognize, you know, 20 or 30 other states' permits. And it's it's a whole sort of spider web of uh, state laws, basically. Stephen, and what's so, the buzz on that? Does it look like that might pass? Yeah, and so national reciprocity would be, would just make it so that every state has to recognize one another's permits, right? So you get a permit from your home state, and it'd be good 
anywhere in the country. Um, now, the bill in Congress uh, that's sponsored by uh, Rep. Hudson, it's certainly, I think, passed the House. The trouble will be in the Senate because Republicans mm-hmm. only have like a 50, you know, one seat majority there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, it's certainly going to be a hot, highly contested issue. Um, and one of the reasons is if you read my piece, there was some uh, relatively significant news in there because uh, the problem with a bill like this is oftentimes it requires that you have to have a, uh, a license from your home state. And so if you live in a place like New Jersey or Washington, D.C. or Hawaii, yeah, uh, you can't get a permit. right from the get-go. Yeah, you can't get the permit right. in the you first place. You can't get a permit, and so it doesn't help you. But uh, Rep. Hudson told me explicitly that um, any permits will, will do. So if you live in New Jersey you, and you get a permit from Utah or Virginia, a non-resident permit, as they're called, it will still allow you to carry in your home state too, in New Jersey, right? So that's a pretty big shift for people like that because essentially um, it's getting around these uh, May issue laws where in practice it means nobody gets to carry, right? <laughs> so it's a pretty big change. We well, might, but probably not gonna. That, is that what May issue means? Right. Pretty much, yeah. Hey, Stephen, how about D.C.? Would that still not be a, a place we could go? No, it would apply to D.C. as well, because as they explained to me, D.C. is a state under um, the Gun Control Act. So uh, as, as, as the Gun Control Act defines states, places like D.C. and I believe even Puerto Rico uh, qualify. So, Oh, my. What are the liberals going to do if that happens? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to be very big. Well, and, uh, you know, you and I, I'm sure you guys have heard over the years many times that anytime a gun law is changed or, or strict gun law is taken away or concealed carry is allowed somewhere that the same complaint comes up every time that it's going to be blood in the streets, mm-hmm. it's going to be wild west or whatever. And then, you know, what happens in real life? Nothing like that. So Exactly. And I do, I do want to take up for some of my liberal friends right now because I actually have a friend who is the uh, national s- spokesperson and president of the Liberal Gun Club in mm. in San Francisco, California. So it's it really, you know, we we're tempted to think that, you know, if you're liberal then suddenly that makes you, you know, automatically anti uh gun rights and that that isn't necessarily the case. And so we we actually know several people who Four. And, and I, you know, I Dan likes to tease our friend uh Lara Smith by saying, "I'm going to uh make the anti-gun pro-gun cl- gunners club." Because that's kind of what most people hear when they, you know, hear that, uh, you know, wait, right. you're liberal, but you're for guns? I don't. How does that right. work? How do you vote? It's so confusing. Well, well, there are, uh, according to the latest surveys, there's about 110 million gun owners in the United States. So they can't all be Republicans. Well, that's the thing. And I think that, um, you know, there is this shift, too, where people that used to think we were uh, wacky conspiracy theorists that we didn't quite trust the government, you know, they're now like, Mm -hmm. oh, wait a minute. Now I know what you mean. (laughs) I don't don't trust the government. So maybe I better rethink this whole thing. So, all right. So one of your other articles um, is about, and this one just gets me right in the heart. It's about uh, service dogs. You know, our veteran 
uh, canines that are have served the army. You know, they've gone out there, they've sniffed out bombs, they've gone into the the nitty gritty of the field, and then mm-hmm. at some point their service years end. And then they get separated from their handlers. Now, these dogs and their handlers, they are, you know, as close as you are with your puppy at home, you know, or your kitty cat at home. You know, we, they really get bonded. And so you wrote a, a story about how, you know, there's just this arbitrary separation. And then what happens with these dogs? Right. Well, so, so my story is about one specific Army program called the TED program. Uh, and it was this temporary program. They wanted to get more of these bomb-sniffing dogs uh, into Iraq and Afghanistan just so they could find more IEDs and then save more American lives. And by all accounts, it was very successful. Uh, now, this program ended uh, in 2014, right? And so most of these dogs were retired. The Army was 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 done using them. They were, they were were uh, Their service was over. And so <clears throat> the Army created a, a plan to deal with this. You know, how are we going to deal with all the dogs we have left? Well, the, uh, under their plan, the Army's own plan, it was supposed to be that the handlers for these dogs, the veterans, were able to adopt the dogs. They would get first choice. And then police uh, could would have second choice, and then civilians after that if, if there were any dogs left, right? But instead, what ended up happening is that uh, most of these dogs were just adopted out in one mass adoption day in North Carolina, um, and uh, a lot of the handlers were not able to get their dogs, even though they expressed interest. They went and tried to adopt the dogs. They had basically the army messed up this whole process, right? And so my story focuses on 13 of these dogs that ended up going to a private company called Solid End Technologies, which had planned to sell the dogs to um, foreign governments to use in the field again. Not Even okay. though <laughs> you're not supposed to be able to do that. Uh, if you read the adoption papers that are signed for these dogs, it says you can't use them for any sort of military or police work, and you can't sell them. So, uh, And the, the biggest problem, of course, beyond the fact that they're breaking this this contract with with the army is that first of all the army didn't provide any sort of oversight to this they weren't paying any attention to what actually happened to these dogs and secondly most of the dogs that i'm writing about their handlers were looking for them they yeah. spent months trying to find their dogs right and they were lied to continuously oh my god by the army and then by the company that uh actually took hold of them and unfortunately in, in at least in one case, the one of the soldiers, Jake Carlberg, ah, sorry, Jake Carlberg, he passed away before he could ever see his dog again. Oh no! He spent months searching for his dog, months, oh, and he he was lied to continuously about where his dog was, and then he he passed away in a car accident and never got to see his dog what? again. And these people, these handlers, really form, as you were talking about, a, a, an especially strong connection with these because uh, as some of the Family members explained to me, one of the wives told me, you know, these guys in the TED program, it's not like a normal deployment for for your average soldier. Um, they're not with a group of other guys continuously. They get sent around to hotspot to hotspot where they're needed. Hmm. And so the only one they're with continuously is their dog. I don't and understand so how a program like that. Spot. I'm sorry. 
I, I don't understand how that could happen. I mean, the person that takes the dogs, wouldn't they feel that these need to go back to the... Well, their army property, I guess, is how they're seen, but that's just, it's messed up. And and so there's a happy story here somewhere, right? Happy ending somewhere? Well, there's a happy ending for a lot of dogs, thankfully. I mean, even though it took over a year, many of the dogs were reunited with their handlers thanks to this kennel owner that the well after this company took hold of the dogs, they sent them to a kennel in Virginia, and the kennel owner took great care of them uh, because he was expecting yeah you know, he was expecting to get paid. He was rehabbing the dogs. Uh, unfortunately for him, he never got paid. He spent about one hundred fifty thousand dollars. That he's near bankruptcy now, but he was probably the only one in the story who actually did the right thing because once he figured out what was going on in this whole situation, uh, he was able to work with the nonprofits to track down these handlers. And so Mm -hmm. they were able to reunite a lot of the dogs with their handlers. And, you know, there's some, it's just a heart wrenching story, Mm -hmm. but uh, there is some, you know, solace in it. There's, there's some happiness. Like, I don't know if you you read the story, there's a picture at the end of some of the dogs being reunited with their handlers and they just look so, Mm -hmm. so happy. Right. I mean, the the handlers and the dogs. Well, we're, we are dog uh, lovers. So we definitely uh, appreciate uh, that story. And so um, we're about to wrap up, but I, I want to remind people we are talking with Stephen Gutowski of the Washington Free Beacon. And you can find all these stories that we're talking about on freebeacon.com. And as we wrap up, the other thing that you did at the SHOT Show recently uh, was 100 guns in eight hours. Stephen Gutowski's attempt to shoot every firearm at the SHOT Show. How did that go? Uh, well, uh, it went well, right? I mean, anytime <laughs> you get to shoot that much in in eight hours is, is a good day. But your hand must have been to, dead. To <laughs> uh, you know, I actually got a headache the next day. All I because I didn't, I should have brought my own hearing protection, but I only had the little foam hearing protection that they had available at the, uh, you know, at the range, which was helped my hearing. But mm-hmm. uh, I ended up with a headache the next day. But but yeah, I was pretty sore. My shoulder was sore. Um, but it was a blast and it was really interesting to see sort of the trends in the industry, uh, some of the new things that are going on. You know, there's a lot of silencers are everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Stephen, uh, what was the 10 millimeters really popular for some reason? What was the number one gun? Well, I mean, what is the gun that you still think about that you shot that day? I'd say the most fascinating gun was the, was the tracking points, computerized, uh, system. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, they, they have a special computerized system that uh, essentially you hit the target every single time, no matter how good a shot you are, because the computer basically does the shooting for you. It's fascinating. Oh, wow. Well, we never want to mention that we got a headache from shooting all day, okay? <laughs> let's just keep that between ourselves, okay? Blame it on the wives. Oh, I or, love you it. Know, but let's don't blame it on the guns, please. Well, and I had, uh, the, I had the same goal you did, Stephen, that I was going to shoot everything out there, and instead all I did was shoot my mouth off. All I did was talk all day, all the people I met, and it was still wonderful, but I'm like look, reading oh, yeah. your article, and I'm like, dang it, I needed to hang out with Stephen. She didn't get past the gate, I don't think, because when I got ready to leave she was still there it's like come on cheryl almost a true story almost what was your favorite what did you guys like you know i i get i get crazy my eyes go everywhere and i i can't lock on one thing i enjoyed that day it was great it's the first time i've been to one of those uh, shoots i expect mm-hmm. to go next year too 
and that would be a great attempt. Hey, if you want help shooting 100 guns, let me know. I'll either load the <laughs> magazines or hold the camera for you. For but, sure. uh, yeah, it, it, it was great. There was a lot of neat stuff at the show. Uh, uh, we yeah. shot, I shot a – go ahead. I, I shot a Chris Vector full auto. That was pretty cool. I have one. Yeah, I was going to say, Dan's, I have one. Dan's got some pretty cool mm. guns, so it takes yeah. a lot fun, to get right? him. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is very fun. much so. I, I, mm. I had the privilege of uh, uh, introducing them to the Buckeye Police Department in Arizona here, so mm. I had to keep my cell sample. So I've got one, and I love that gun. It's a lot there of fun to go. shoot. Different. It's a different yeah. than most. You're lucky. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, it's, it's very different. It's very interesting. Yeah. Well, I wish I would have... Uh, even seen that laser one you're talking about say what it is again oh uh, yeah um it was i believe it's called target point target point we have to check that out i i can't believe yeah, I'm i wrote about it in the like story it's a, it's a fascinating experience to shoot too because you're not well, you pull the trigger and basically the computer uh lines up the actual target with where you uh painted it earlier so you don't really you don't know exactly when the gun's going to go off. It's a very interesting experience, oh, especially wow. in, when you're shooting a <laughs> was a three 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 eight Lapua, which is very oh very heavy goodness. round. So it won't. So you don't won't, know when the recoil is coming. Yeah, it oh won't shoot until the gun is lined up with the target, right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So it takes out you know all the little all the little movements you make when you're shooting a gun, all the things you try to train against. Mm-hmm. It basically eliminates all that for you. By waiting until, because it knows you, you you first you paint the target by pulling the trigger halfway, and then when you pull it fully, you got to realign the sight with your little the little red dot you put on the target, and then it the gun will fire once it knows that those are perfectly lined up. Awesome! It's so a lot cool. better than the laser beams on the sharks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. A lot more advanced. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, Stephen. I am definitely going to keep reading your column here. You are at Washington Free Beacon, but the website is freebeacon.com. And how do people zero in on just your articles? Well, if you search Washington Free Beacon and then my name, Stephen Gutowski, on, on Google, you should be able to find it pretty easy. All right, and that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N, and Gutowski is just like it sounds, G-U-T-O-W-S-K-I. Stephen, thank you so much for being with us here today. We'll definitely have to have you back on and chat some more soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, well, stick around, because just on the other side of these commercials, we have Todd Rathner. Now, Todd Rathner is running for re-election to the NRA Board of Directors. He has proudly served on the Board of Directors for 17 years. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about his experience with that and why he says he should stay on the board. Stick around. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. 
fun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldstate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we're glad you're here with us today. If you've missed any part of this show, please be sure to check out our website for the recording of this show and every show we've ever had. That is gunfreedomradio.com. Click on the On Demand tab, and they're all right there waiting for you to binge listen. Now, I know tomorrow is uh, Super Bowl Sunday, right? So I don't necessarily expect you to binge listen when it's Super Bowl Sunday, but, you know, you could, like, just skip those commercials. Who cares about those commercials, right? Or just watch the commercials and listen to our show during the game. Better than Either that, would work. Better than that, why don't we put an AZ Firearms commercial on the Super Bowl. Because <laughs> we don't have a gazillion trillion dollars. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Not yet. We're working on it. <laughs> All right. Also on our website, gunfreedomradio.com, is uh, our guest pages. Okay? So you click on the guest tab. Every single person that's ever been on the show, there's a little bio page for them that you can put a face with a voice. You can click on links for you know articles that they've written or been featured in. And very often, almost always, when we mention an article that we're talking with someone about, like we were just talking with Stephen Gutowski, you can click on his guest page, and the articles we were talking about are linked right there. And our guest that we have waiting in the wings right now, Mr. Todd Rathner, he uh, has a really good uh, article that was just written about him on there uh, by thetruthaboutguns.com about why he is still, again, running for re-election to the NRA Board of Directors. So, without further ado, I do want to introduce Todd Rathner, who has 20 years' experience lobbying Second Amendment issues. He's the president of the NFA Freedom Alliance and the current director of legislative affairs for Knife Rights. He's an avid hunter, shooter, and NFA owner, and as I said, is running for re-election to the NRA Board of Directors directors where he has proudly served 
for the past 17 years. Are you with us, Todd? I am. How are you? I'm very well, and thank you so much for taking time. You are one busy dude, so when we can grab you on for, for some airtime, I, I feel just a little extra special. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be able to take the time, and uh-huh. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. Absolutely. Okay. So talking about you running for the board and our topic today, which is a matter of facts, Right. So finding those good compasses in our life. So so people that, you know, when they speak, you know that they don't have like a personal agenda. They're trying to lead you this way or that way. But they they deal in factual information rather than emotion. So, you know, one of the characteristics I value in a trustworthy person is that they can support their own way of thinking without putting another's down. So in elections, that's really hard to do, right? Whether it's an election to, you know, city council or whether the the presidency, of course, you know, NRA board of directors. So you are running again, and you've got 17 years behind you. So familiarize us with, you know, what responsibilities come with a board seat and why you are the person that we should vote for. Okay, well, first of all, the the one of the one of the great things about running for the NRA board and and being involved in an election uh, to, to to be on the board, whether it's the first time or whether it's for re-election, is that there are currently usually there's 25 seats open at any given time. Uh, every three every every year we've got 25 seats that are up. This year there's 26 because um, someone someone uh, passed away. And it opened up another seat. So there's 26 seats. So, And then there's usually 30-so nominees. So the, the elections are competitive, but it's, it's not knockdown, drag out where anybody has to run anybody down or say why they're better than anybody else. How nice is that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is nice. And, and, you know, this is a volunteer position. There's no pay involved. And... People generally run because they really care about the NRA and they care about the future of the Second Amendment. I mean, I can speak for myself and and talk about what I've done and and what I've brought to the table and what I would continue to do without having to run anybody down or say anything nasty about anybody else. And the beauty is, is that when you vote, you can vote for up to 26 people on the ballot. Um, However, I suggest that you pick out names of people that you know and that who who give you reasons to vote for them and and vote for a few. You don't have to vote for all 26, uh, especially if you don't know their names. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to pick randomly pick people. So just pick out the names of people that you know and that you think are doing a good job or would do a good job and vote for them. I, I've I've been on the board for 17 years. I've been a um, an NRA volunteer for many many more years than that. Uh, look, the the NRA is is in my blood. The Second Amendment is in my blood. This is what I live for. It's my mission in life to make sure that we have as much freedom uh, with our our Second Amendment as we possibly can. We've lost a lot of rights over the years in in, more than just in my lifetime, but arguably since 1934, we've been losing rights, and it's our job to take them back. I, I believe that I've done a pretty good job in helping to take our rights back in 
in 20 years of lobbying, either as an activist or as a lobbyist in Arizona, I've helped us get constitutional carry. I worked with a team of guys that um, that, that worked to get constitutional carry in Arizona, which was one of the first states in the continental U.S. to get, to get that right back. Uh, Vermont had it from a, a very long time ago, and then Alaska did it, and then Arizona uh, was third. And, and I worked with that team very hard to get constitutional carry in, in Arizona. So we don't need a permit to carry a concealed weapon in Arizona as long as we're 21 years old and are not a prohibited possessor. So I believe in, in the, the ultimate right to keep and bear arms, which is no permission slip from the government, just the ability to carry. Uh, by the same token, I also, I also believe in education and training, and I think that people need, need to be educated and trained. I just don't think that the government should mandate it and force us to do it. I think that as a gun owner, you have a responsibility to go out and get trained. Uh, so I've always supported uh, the NRA's education and training programs. I was, I, I've been an NRA instructor for many, many years. I was a, 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 an Arizona hunter ed instructor. Um, but my, and, and the other thing that, that people that are, are voting members should know about me is that my interests are very varied in the shooting uh, world. I'm not a big competitor. I don't. I don't compete, but I, I shoot everything, literally from black powder to machine guns. Uh, I, I I took a a deer with a black powder rifle last last uh, last deer season here in Arizona, and um and I I went to two machine gun shoots in Texas last year. So I mean I I, I like it all, and I understand a lot of it. I, I'm I'm not a a professional shooter or a competitor. Uh, but I but I love all of the all of the firearms disciplines, and I have a really good time with all of them. Um, as an NRA board member, our primary job as board members is to oversee the the operations and the policies of the NRA. Now that doesn't mean that we are involved in the day to day workings and day to day operations of the NRA, but we we do oversee all of the operations and we do oversee all of the policy positions. And I believe that as an NRA director over the past 17 years, I have helped move the NRA in the direction of more and more freedom for individual citizens uh, to make our own decisions and our own choices about what kind of firearms we want to use, what kind of firearms we want to own. Um, I've worked very hard, as you know, in Arizona on many, many issues, but I've also worked around the country on, on a lot of different issues from Knife ownership, which we we, we talked we, we talked about in the past, uh, that knives are armed; they are protected by the Second Amendment. I've worked in twenty-something um, uh, states and passed uh, some seventeen or eighteen different bills, uh, from switchblade ban repeals to uh, removing the the regulations on the length of a knife that you can carry and. Things like that. I've worked from Texas to Oklahoma uh, to even in New York State, where we we've done some good things to try to change knife laws. Um, but I've I've also worked on other issues like hunting with with suppressors or silencers, uh, uh, making um, uh, machine guns and and short barrel rifles and short barrel shotguns easier to own. Believe it or not, in the state of Texas, where there were problems with uh, with the law, the way the law was written there, I, I helped fix that law. And so, so my interests in the Second Amendment are extremely broad. I'm, I'm, I believe that the Second Amendment is absolute, that the government doesn't have the authority to regulate our ability to own arms. 
And, and I believe that we should keep moving the NRA in that direction uh, to make sure that we have as much freedom as possible. Well, Todd, uh, this is Dan. Welcome to the show. You know, hey, a, minute, a minute ago, you, I, you mentioned uh, black powder and machine gun in the same sentence. And I'm thinking, how about a black powder machine gun? <laughs> <laughs> no? Somebody no, my, out there somewhere is yeah, probably but my, yeah, but noodling my, on my that. My question is, who gets to vote? I, well, who gets the to NRA? vote is, yeah, is, is NRA members who have been members for five years consecutively or lifetime members or above. So if you are an NRA member who has been a member for five consecutive years, you will get a ballot in your magazine. And if you get the magazine electronically, you will get a ballot in the mail by first-class mail. Uh, and if you're a lifetime member, you'll get a ballot in your magazine. So this magazine that just came oh, uh, around the 23rd of January was the first The first ones were delivered. Uh, unfortunately, there's a picture of Charles Schumer on the cover. Um, and <laughs> it, That's it, hard it, to get past. Top, I am not going to lie yeah, about that. He's not yeah, my favorite is. guy. And, so. No, no, it's not mine either. And, and as a as a as a former New Yorker, um, I remember the days when he was Congressman Schumer, and I couldn't stand him even then. Mm. So uh, on the front cover is Charles Schumer's ugly face, and then up <laughs> in the top right corner, there's a little red or orange colored ribbon that says you are an NRA voting member. Your ballot isn't closed, and so uh, inside the magazine there'll be a ballot. And so what I'm what I'm asking folks to do is uh, make sure you. Take the ballot out. Don't let it wait. You have until April 9th, but please don't let it wait because it's, it's always frustrating when uh, you have to scramble at the end to try to get people to vote. So get the ballot out. Vote. Please vote for me. Vote for a couple of other folks. If you recognize their names, you know who they are. Uh, I would I would counsel that the, the big name celebrities who are running and I don't have to tell you who they are because they're big name celebrities. <laughs> they don't need your vote. Um, people are going to vote for them because they recognize their names. If you like them, great, vote for them. If you if if, if you don't have an opinion about them, uh, vote for, vote for some of the nuts and bolts folks that are on on the board. Look at their bios, pick out a few, five or six, vote for us, and then make sure you mail your ballot. Put the you know make sure you put a stamp on the envelope, walk it out to your mailbox, and make sure you you mail it. Uh, it you know it's it's really important uh, to to make sure that the the NRA moves in the in the right direction arguably the the nra holds a great amount of responsibility for defeating hillary clinton in this last election and electing donald trump president the nra spent more independent money to help donald trump get elected than any other single political organization uh more hunters in in the swing states of uh michigan pennsylvania and wisconsin um more hunters and shooters and, and gun owners voted in those elections. And, and I believe that the NRA is largely responsible for uh, defeating Hillary Clinton and preventing gun bans and all kinds of restrictions on our guns. Uh, if we want to keep moving the NRA in that direction and following through on the promises that um, Donald Trump made and that the Congress made in order to get reelected or elected, we need to have the, the, the same leadership at the NRA, and, and I've been part of that team for a long time. I serve on the Legislative Policy Committee, which oversees all the legislation and election uh, activities of the NRA, uh, and, and I, 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 need, I would like to stay part of that 
part of that team, and I need people to vote for me if I'm going to remain part of that team. Right. I'd like to remind all our listeners that uh, Todd Ratner is running for board of directors, and he is NFA friendly. Mm-hmm. I want to underline that because we need that in the NRA. Mm-hmm. I am a, a class 10 dealer, and um, I I love NFA items, and I just want to make sure that stays strong with the NRA. So, Todd, we're, we're... yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was I, I, well, I, I was just going to say, not, not only am I NFA friendly, I, I I believe in it so much that I started an organization called the NFA Freedom Alliance, as you know, which has worked to make it easier to own and purchase NFA items nationwide, and and dealt with a lot of the state level laws that deal with NRA items, which a lot of people are unaware of. Uh, and, and I've helped to um, to fix them and make them better and make it easier to own NFA items. That's awesome. Now, we're, we're just about out of time, but I just want to tell folks, um, you know, I want you to tell them how they can find you and how, uh, once again, how they can vote for you. But also, just really quickly, 30 seconds or less, are we worried about complacency setting in? You know, I think a lot of people are like, well, you know, Trump's going to support us, so we're we're good. We're in good hands, so we can just well, go take yeah. a nap. Look, complacency is is, is our biggest enemy. Uh, we can accomplish anything as gun owners in this country, and and as NRA members, we can accomplish anything that we want to accomplish. We can swing any single election that we want to in the entire country if we all stick together and if we don't get complacent. Complacency is our enemy. We need to make sure that we don't get complacent and that we hold politicians' feet to the fire, including including President Trump. Absolutely. But not just President Trump, but, but the Senate is going to be really important. We need to hold mm-hmm. their feet to the fire. The only other thing I wanted to mention is go to my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's Todd for NRA Board of Directors. Todd Rafter for NRA Board of Directors. It's R-A-T-H-N-E-R, so Todd, Q-D-D, Rafter, R-A-T-H-N-E-R, for NRA Board of Directors. And, and if you like my Facebook page, then you can follow my, uh, my election and, and uh, all the stuff that I'm working on. Awesome. Thank you again so much. Todd Rathner of the NFA Freedom Alliance, looking for your vote to stay real, uh, to, to be reelected and stay on the NRA Board of Directors. Thank you so much, Todd. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, well, on the other side of these commercials, we have our second hour of Gun Freedom Radio. Be sure and stick around. We have Judd Bickle, team leader at azfirearms.com, and Dr. John R. Lott to talk to us about some of the articles he's written recently about gun rights, gun laws, and what's going on out there in the world. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. 
For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. 